Welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast, and oh my goodness, I have a really fun episode for you today. I am actually recording this very spontaneously, and I am a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but I was just watching Too Hot to Handle on Netflix, which if you've never seen that, it is a show where a handful of traditionally sexy and attractive people are stuck in this house together um, in this really luxurious resort type space and they are not allowed to have sex or even touch each other too much and if they do they're actually going to receive cash off of the prize that they will all receive at the end of their stay and I know that nothing about that sounds interesting or appealing I truly don't know I'm just going to blame it on quarantine boredom because that's not even anything I would normally watch. But literally, I just kind of wanted something mindless. I've been working all day and I am actually really into this show right now. I'm only on episode three as of right now, but I'm actually really into it. And more importantly, this show actually got me thinking about Beltane, which is really weird, but I'm going to explain. And First of all, happy Beltane, because at the time of my recording this, it's a couple days away. I'm not sure if I'm going to wait and release this episode on actual Beltane, or I might just go ahead and release it in a couple of days. Um, But regardless, Beltane is coming up, so happy Beltane. And I am totally inspired from the TV show to talk to you about Beltane and the art of existential kink. And these are concepts that might seem totally unrelated, but I really want to talk to you about what I'm thinking right now because I'm just really inspired. So let me backtrack a little bit. If you aren't familiar with Beltane, it's a, it's a wicked holiday. It's one of the eight wicked holidays of the year. And it's particularly special because it's like Samhain, it's one of the two days of the year where the veil between the two worlds, the seen and the unseen and the spiritual and the physical, is at its thinnest point. And this is true of all eight of the Wiccan holidays of the year. The veil is thin on all of them, but it is especially thin on Samhain and on Beltane. And on Samhain, we say that our ancestral connections are especially available to us. So our deceased loved ones are around us more than even usual, and not just our known ancestors, but also our unknown ancestors, way further down our line that we've never even necessarily met in person or even maybe heard stories about. But nonetheless, the people whose shoulders we really are standing on down our line, even these spirits are around us. And Samhain is a really good time to communicate with them, to receive some guidance, to even figure out like what work they want you to finish in your lifetime. And I do a lot of that. Every Samhain I do a shamanic rebirthing ceremony and I go into council with my ancestors. And I only do this once a year because it's a pretty big ritual. And um, I'm always left extremely high off of the experience. And I always gain a lot of insight for the entire year off of that ritual that I conduct every year. But Beltane, even though the veil is also very thin, um, it's it's a quite a different energy. So Beltane is a lot more about activity from nature spirits and devas and fairies, if you will. And these archetypal energies are extremely available to us right now, which is exciting. So if you're conducting spell work, if you are a practicing witch, you can absolutely 
activate and lean into these energies now more than usual. And I know for me personally, I work a lot with fairies and devas in my spiritual practice and my manifesting. Um, And so even if you do normally, this is a really powerful time to interact with them even more intimately. And you can do that by leaving an offering either of food or they love crystals. Emerald is their favorite. So you can leave a little something for them. But this is a really powerful time to work and engage with those energies. But um, more to the point, Beltane is a powerful moment on the wheel of the year because it is the moment where the goddess and her consort, who is just the the sun god, I guess you could call him, um, they are at the same respective stage in their lives. So basically, the mythology of the wheel of the year, if you're not familiar with Wiccan myth, um, entails the birth of the sun god on the winter solstice, which is give or take um, December 21st, depending on when specifically the sun officially enters Capricorn. And basically the sun god is an infant at that time, just born. And as the sun grows in strength from the winter solstice up until the summer solstice, So too, does the sun god grow in strength and vitality as he's literally aging and becoming older. And so by the time we reach Beltane several months later, he's essentially a young man, which might sound like a strange way to talk about an archetypal deity energy, but we can literally think of him as like being in the prime of his life. And so is the goddess, because when you think about how the goddess um, cycles through the year, she is in her maiden aspect in the spring, she is in her mother aspect in the late summer and fall season, and she is in her crone aspect in the um, late fall and winter season. So in spring, she is in her maiden aspect, and the sun god is like right about there too. And so because they're in the same age, they basically have sex on Beltane. As the story goes, this is when they conceive her child who she becomes pregnant with and is pregnant with throughout the course of the summer and into fall and to whom she eventually gives birth on the winter solstice this year of 2020, which will ultimately yield another year of life on earth, which is a really touching moment in Wiccan tradition. So that's the wheel of the year. So that's where we are here on Beltane. So Beltane is a holiday that is extremely focused on gender polarity and especially human sexuality, which is hopefully how you're starting to see the connection between this very, um, pop culture show and this very ancient spiritual holiday. So Beltane really is all about having fun. It's all about re-engaging pleasure. And it's all about remembering that we are here in this human body to feel good fundamentally. And it's interesting because we just did an episode last week on the Taurus moon cycle. And those are really massive invitations with Taurus as well. So it's interesting that we always experience Beltane on May 1st during solar Taurus season and usually during the Taurus moon cycle as well. So that's a really big invitation is flirtation too and in sexuality and sexual tension. These are all really powerful now. And actually, if you are a practicing witch, this is a very powerful time, certainly to conduct any spell work because the veil between the worlds is so thin, but it's especially favorable to conduct any sort of an erotic love ritual or a sex spell or even any kind of a spell to, um, to increase your own personal radiance and magnetism or to honestly um, 
increase your own personal sexuality or sexual drive or desire, or even just to reinvigorate your spark or your energy levels. Really, Beltane is a very fiery holiday. It's very much in alignment with the wand suit of the tarot, those types of themes. Um, and again, hopefully you're seeing the connection between Beltane and just this show, because really it's all about that flirtatious banter and enjoying being alive. And honestly, sex and flirtation, those are some of the greatest pleasures of being human, truly. And Beltane is all about embracing that. So I want to expand this conversation though, out of the gender binary into the other ways that we as magical people, whether you're a practicing wand wielding circle casting witch, or you're just a conscious person who is intentionally allowing your thoughts to create your reality. Cause I really always intend for this podcast to directly speak to both types of magical people. So regardless of where you fall, you are engaging with the masculine and feminine all the time. So if you've ever gone to a witchcraft supply store, whether you're a witch or not, maybe you have a witchy friend or you've ever just browsed one online, you might have seen um, candles that are actually in detail carved into the shape of a phallus. Or you might actually have seen crystals that are carved that way. And you might have thought, what the hell? Where am I? This is so weird. But the reason why a lot of witches work with candles and crystals that are carved into penises and sometimes um, vaginas as well is because obviously for fertility sex spells that can be conducted all year round, but even just on Beltane, these are the tools that we're working with just to honor the physical body and the physical body's ability to experience all pleasure, not just sexual pleasure, but all the different areas of pleasure that are available to us as human beings, and also to honor the human body for its ability to create. But um, if you're a Wiccan, you are even more familiar with this too, because I personally don't identify as a Wiccan anymore, actually. I did for a very long time. But now I consider myself to be a little bit too eclectic. I don't follow those certain rituals as specifically as a Wiccan is supposed to. I really more do my own thing. So even though there are a lot of elements of that religion in my personal spiritual path, um, and in a lot of ways they're similar, I don't consider myself to be a Wiccan. I just consider myself to be a witch. But if you are a Wiccan, or if you're familiar with Wiccan ceremony and spells, they all include that duality and representations of the gender polarities. So usually there is a tool to symbolize the phallic um, aspect of creation. So usually it's a wand or more commonly an athame, which is basically a ceremonial knife. And then there's some physical tool that is meant to represent the female vessel. So usually a chalice, but sometimes a cauldron can serve that purpose as well. Although normally the cauldron is intended to represent the womb of the goddess, whereas the chalice would be more appropriate for representing the vaginal opening. So Regardless, though, there's some sort of a, of a circular container and then something sort of phallic. And there's always a moment in the spell or the ritual where the witch or Wiccan takes the phallic tool and uses it to penetrate the receptacle. And this is supposed to be the climactic moment in the spell in which the desire or the manifestation is becoming so. So it's a really powerful moment. So really across all spiritual, I actually shouldn't say spiritual, across all ceremonial magical traditions, this is happening. The physical tools are there and there is almost an 
I don't want to say an obsession, but a strong awareness of the importance of having some sort of stand-in for each polarity. And I'm going to specifically say like gender polarity, and there's a strong emphasis even specifically on the genitals and on sex, because physical sex that we have as people is such a creative, I mean, it's the ultimate creative act. But I want to expand this conversation way beyond genitals and way beyond the gender binary because a lot of people don't like that language and totally understandably so. And it's also just a little bit of a superficial way of understanding how powerful polarity is in magic because it truly is a huge ingredient in successful magic. So first of all, I took a really interesting class with Carolyn Elliott a couple weeks ago. It was right at the very beginning of the quarantine. She was kind enough to offer a free masterclass on manifestation, shadow work, and existential kink. And it honestly up-leveled my manifestation practice. So I'm really excited to share some of what I learned with you. Um, So first of all, Carolyn Elliott was talking about the fact that Well, actually, hold on. So I'll just preface it by saying that I know we've talked a little bit about this before, if not here in the podcast, then in my weekly newsletter. So if you're a subscriber there, you've probably heard me talk about this before. And actually, recently, because Pluto just entered retrograde in Capricorn last week, and so shadow work is becoming especially appropriate for the next five months. But shadow work is so important if you're a witch because... You need to have an awareness of what is going on within yourself subconsciously. And the reason that you need to have this awareness is because your subconscious mind is not only half of the process of your ability to create your reality, but I would say it's actually a little more than half. Your subconscious mind is more powerful than your conscious mind. And the reason that it's so powerful is because it's unconscious. We don't know that these values or feelings or instincts are driving us to the extent that they that they are. And if you as a magical person, as I said, whether formally so, a self-declared Wiccan witch or, you know, mystic, or you're just someone that likes to live in a conscious way, because of course we are always creating our realities, right? It doesn't matter whether or not you profess yourself to be a magical, intentional person or not. We are always creating our reality, and some people just choose to get intentional about that process. So wherever you fall, it's so important that you are understanding where your subconscious mind is motivating you, because if you aren't, you're going to find that certain areas of your life are really difficult to manifest change within or certain desires that you have that maybe you've had for quite a long time, you just can't seem to manifest. And maybe you're like, what the hell? I'm a manifestation goddess. I'm so good at this. Why can't I seem to manifest this one thing? And I find that almost everybody I talk to that that works with their life in this kind of way can, can speak to at least one area of their life or one thing that they really struggle to manifest. And I bet something is even coming up for you right now that has been elusive. Even if, as I said, you're a pretty successful, magical person otherwise, and you tend to manifest quickly and easily and joyfully and effectively. And the reason why you might have a block around something, and in fact, I guarantee you that this is the direct reason, is because you have subconscious either beliefs or I'm just going to say subconscious material that is in conflict with your conscious beliefs and drives and motivations and thoughts and feelings around that given subject or desire or area of life, which I think is really fascinating. So how do we manifest? We have to unite the two. 
There's no other way. We have to unite the subconscious with the conscious in order to manifest. And that is where, on a deeper level, the athame is penetrating the chalice. That is what is really being represented there. And even when we talk so much about physical sex with penis candles and yonic symbols with Beltane, really, this is all just fun symbolism for this really powerful magical truth, which is that we need to take our subconscious material and bring it to the conscious level in order to create in an intentional way in our lives, period. And that's so hot because as soon as we realize this, that there's just no getting around this, first of all, we get to bring awareness to the subconscious. And how do you do that? You might be like, okay, great. How do I know? Well, first of all, like I said, you'll know because you're going to really find stickiness in that area. You're going to find that for whatever reason, it's just really difficult for you to manifest that change or um, that shift. Again, whether it's a specific desire or lots of desires that you have within the realm of one particular area of your life that just seems to always look or feel the same. So that's how you're going to know is that you're just not able to, or you haven't been able to make that change. Now, how do you gain further understanding into what that block is, whether, as I said, it's a belief or, this is really interesting, this is called a secondary gain and in psychology terms. And really, a secondary gain is a subconscious benefit that we receive from a consciously unpleasant situation. And secondary gains can look really different. So sometimes, I'm going to give you actually the example that Carolyn Elliott used in her masterclass, which I thought was really interesting. So, and actually this is connecting to the podcast that I did last week. So we talked a little bit in the podcast how we all prioritize certainty and uncertainty differently. And some people, I mean, both are human needs that we all have, but as I said, it's about prioritizing and how much of each we really want. And neither is a problem, but they both can become a little bit self-destructive if we're pursuing them in ways that aren't really in alignment with our goals. And we can do this subconsciously. So that's what's tricky. So if we are someone who has a really high craving for uncertainty, especially. And as I said in that podcast, if you have a lot of Gemini in your birth chart or Sagittarius, you might fall into this category. So if you are someone that that enjoys a lot of uncertainty in your life, especially, you might find that you experience some subconscious pleasure from situations that on the surface and to your conscious mind are not pleasurable. So the example that Carolyn Elliott used was for prosperity magic. Let's say that you're really trying to manifest that cash money and for some reason you just can't. Sometimes people actually have a little bit of a secret thrill from not knowing how they're going to pay their bills. And I know that that sounds crazy, but that my darling is shadow work. We're so uncomfortable buy that pleasure. We're like, oh my God, that's fucking weird. I shouldn't want to not have abundance, but no, that's not how I feel. And we literally dissociate from the emotion and that's when it becomes subconscious. And by the way, there's no shame in that and having a little bit of secret pleasure from a dramatic situation. And again, it doesn't, both are true. You do consciously want abundance. It's just that you have a secondary gain from not having it, which is that it supplies you with a little bit of chaos and uncertainty, which to a certain extent we all as humans want in our lives. So 
that's one area that we can experience a secondary gain in the form of a secret shadow pleasure from the experience. But sometimes the secondary gain is not actually a subconscious emotion that we've suppressed. It's actually something a little bit more external. So for example, maybe you are trying to manifest the love life of your dreams, but you have you've had trouble doing that and you realize that a secondary gain that you might be getting from having a love life that is just really frustrating is that it gives you attention in your friend group because it gives you something to talk about and it gives you sympathy. Interesting to think about, right? So when we realize that we have these secondary gains, a lot of times these can keep us in a position where we are subconsciously um, continuing to manifest what we consciously don't want because we do kind of want it at the subconscious level. So it's really kind of interesting how there can be such a strong disconnect between the motivations and drives and desires and instincts of our subconscious and conscious drives. So again, becoming aware of what these are is powerful and a, a major way to do that as I was kind of getting into before. So the first way is just plain and simply realizing what the, the secondary benefit might be. So once you've identified, okay, this is the area of my life that I've really had trouble breaking out of this story. I've really had trouble manifesting a different outcome. So you acknowledge that and then immediately know something's going on. And then the way to further understand what is happening is by exploring what the secondary gain is, because I guarantee you there is one. And maybe it is, as I said, a secret rush or a secret pleasure. Or maybe it's because you get an external gain, as in the other example of getting attention from ha being in a bad situation, or having something to say, or having something to talk about, or because you're enjoying the sad, sexy woman archetype. There's so many different, really interesting ways that we meet our needs subconsciously, through destructive cycles, or destructive is not a great word, um, counterproductive cycles that aren't actually in alignment with the lives that we really want and deserve. So that's how you can identify or at least bring awareness to what is going on subconsciously. The other ways too, though, that you can un like identify what the belief is or what the, what the um, secondary gain is, is obviously through therapy. But even just reflection, journaling, and listening to podcasts like this one. I've only released a couple episodes so far, but if you'll notice, I ask a lot of questions. And I'm intentionally trying to get you always to tap into your subconscious material in this podcast. That's going to be a major theme because I want to challenge you and I want you to be thinking about that subconscious material because always that's the secret to manifesting successfully. And I just feel like this is really timely with Beltane when this emphasis is so heavy on polarity, usually in the form of gender, but, but really gender is just a representation for the inner polarity of the subconscious versus the conscious, which really is the foundation of all successful magic and creation. So anyway, let's keep talking though about how we can, how we can work with this in a productive way. So once you gain an awareness around what your secondary gains are and what your hidden secret subconscious motive could be around a particular situation, then you can take action 
to actually make the change to unify the conscious with the conscious with the subconscious. And that's where the magic really happens. And there's lots of different ways to do this. My single favorite way to do this is tapping, EFT, also known as emotional freedom technique. And this is basically a form of acupressure that involves physically tapping on different meridian points of your body using your fingers. And while you do that, you verbally repeat affirmations and, and positive psychology um, that helps you to basically unpack any limiting destructive beliefs and excavate them from your body. So tapping is very powerful. Meditation and hypnosis actually are also really powerful for literally rewiring your neuro associations, both conscious and subconscious. And I know people get nervous about hypnosis because they think of like the movie Get Out and other pop culture depictions of hypnosis. And no doubt, I'm sure that those unethical people might be out there, not to the extent of Get Out, but I'm just saying that, you know, I'm sure that not everyone is ethical, but I can tell you, I love Grace Smith. She is amazing and she's releasing tons of free con content to help out with COVID-19. So I definitely recommend looking her up. I've done a lot of her hypnosis and they have really helped me. She's incredible. And if you're looking for a really powerful guided meditation um, website, Terry Cole is incredible. She's a psychotherapist and all of her guided meditations are specifically intended to literally shift your subconscious beliefs. And she's she's very, very, very qualified in that area. As I said, she is a licensed psychotherapist, so she's very good at what she does, and I'm a huge fan of her. And she's got lots of free guided meditations, I think, directly through her website. So these are all really powerful ways that once you have this information, once you've realized that like, oh shit, I've got this secondary gain or the subconscious desire... Um, that's in conflict with my conscious desire. Once you are able to identify it, you can literally extract it from your body and change it using any of those three energy techniques. But, and this is where existential kink comes in. This is what um, Carolyn Elliott was talking about in her masterclass, and this is so cool. So she was talking about how the another way, an alternative way that we can do this, aside from some of these other techniques, which are also really fun, is by bringing pleasure into moments that are technically and inherently not pleasurable. And this is especially powerful if you uncover that you do have a secret shadowy um, enjoyment around something that you're not consciously enjoying because it's not enjoyable, such as poverty or difficulty manifesting, manifesting abundance or really difficulty manifesting anything. Lack to the conscious mind is never pleasurable, but sometimes it can be to the subconscious mind. And if you uncover that that in itself is sort of the, um, the secondary gain for you, then this is going to be an especially powerful tool to help you get up and out of the situation. So basically embrace it. There's nothing wrong with what you're feeling. And the more, more you try to push it down and the more you try to tell yourself that that's not true, that you're not enjoying the secret drama, you're not enjoying that uncertainty that you get from not knowing how you're going to pay your bills, the more that you are creating a disconnect. And to bring the two together into unity, revel in that fucking pleasure. And I know that sounds really weird. It's kind of mind-blowing, actually, but it's actually pretty simple. And this is what existential kink means. And so if you're still kind of confused, let's talk about the word kink for a second. Because in the bedroom, which again, 
it's Beltane, so I'm, my mind is really thinking about sex and sexuality. In the bedroom, we can do this, which is really exceptional, that we can take a situation that to the physical body is not pleasurable, such as dripping hot wax or even being tied up is sometimes physically uncomfortable if there's pressure involved, but it's very emotionally uncomfortable to be tied up and suspended. And that's why, actually, I was just watching that... um, episode of that show and um, they had a shibari expert come on and I'm very fascinated by shibari. They did a workshop on the show and that was kind of the main thing that triggered all this in my mind and made me start thinking about existential kink. But um, anyway, so when we take a situation in the bedroom in a sexual context and we make it sexually pleasurable and even ecstatic when it's actually kind of unpleasurable, unpleasurable, not actually sure if that's a, that's a word not pleasurable, I will say. Um, That's pretty incredible that we have that ability. And that's why a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in magical communities and among witches, there is a lot of talk around conscious BDSM and um, shibari and kink, conscious kink, because it is a spiritual discipline, 100%. And we can use those same abilities that we use in the bedroom to find hot candle wax or being suspended and tied up pleasurable and sexy and almost even ecstatic. We can use that same thing in our lives with our manifesting. And it's kind of like what we talked about, like I said, with the Taurus moon cycle, how with manifesting, we have to let it be pleasurable. And this almost takes that to another level because this is actually inviting us to get, I don't want to say ecstasy, but like more than pleasure from a situation that is tricky. So let's just continue with the situation of um, financial distress and trying to manifest prosperity. So the next time you have a situation where you're like, I don't really know I'm going to pay my bills right now, which I really hope isn't even close to in your near future, but let's just roll with it. Rather than dropping into all of the things that you're going to consciously be invited into, like fear, um, anxiety, freaking out altogether, sadness, instead you could drop into the subconscious pleasure of like, "Mm, this is kind of this is kind of interesting. Like, shit, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Like, there is a pleasurable way to approach situations that are anxiety, could be, and anxiety-inducing. And that's what existential kink is all about. And this, to just even go on further, is reminiscent for me of the hanged man in the tarot. Because the hanged man, although I I think there's a difference because the hanged man has achieved serenity and peace, but I don't think with the hanged man, we're necessarily seeing pleasure. And there certainly isn't any hints of like ecstasy in that card, but I do feel like the hanged man is the card of existential kink because he's taken a situation that is extremely uncomfortable. He's suspended and hung upside down, like probably for a long time. And he's just totally relaxed. And that is mind over matter. And that's what existential kink is all about. And it is so powerful. I'm telling you, ever since I learned about this, I've been employing it in my life and it fucking works. It has already revolutionized my magical practice. And this was as recently as like a month ago. It was the first week of quarantine. So it definitely couldn't have been any more than a month ago. I think it was about that. 
maybe three and a half weeks. And already I am seeing so many results. So this shit's really powerful. But honestly, if this is all too weird for you and you're just a little freaked out by it, or you just don't think it's possible, maybe your situation truly is just so dire and so uncomfortable that you're not able to rouse those feelings of pleasure and ecstasy, then truly just try tapping, try meditating, try hypnosis. Those are also all really powerful techniques that are a lot more I think easy to wrap your head around, especially if you're new to any sort of magic or um, um, conscious creation. I was going to say constant creation, but I guess we are constantly creating, so that's not super far off either. So anyway, what I think is really interesting, I want to just tie the knot up here, (laughs) I guess literally since we're talking about bondage, but I want to wrap it up by just talking about how this is related to Beltane. So the subconscious mind is represented by the female aspect. And if we're, again, going to talk about tarot and tie that in here, this is the high priestess. The high priestess is the feminine subconscious within. Whenever we're passing through a phase in our life where we're we're pulling the high priestess very frequently, this means that we have a lot of subconscious material that we're being invited to tap into. And if we're thinking about the conscious mind, that's the magician. The magician is that willpower. And really, we manifest when we combine the two, when we combine the high priestess, our subconscious with the will. And what's really interesting, and this is really cool, something that Carolyn Elliott said in her masterclass, this narrative is played out even in our um, fairy tales with the princess and the prince who rescues the princess. This is literally a representation of the masculine and feminine principles unifying, which is literally the source of all human creation from physical conception to the creation of a book, to the creation of a relationship, to the creation of literally anything. So I think it's so interesting that this is like the oldest story ever told, kind of. And really, it's all about, it's not about gender, it's not about love, it's not about sex even. It's all about uniting within, internally. And so even though have all the sex on Beltane, burn all the penis candles, I really want you to think about that too. I want you to think about how you can unify your subconscious and your conscious minds to create more effectively in your life. Again, regardless of whether or not you practice formal spell work today or not. And Yeah, that's what I want to leave you with. I can't believe I just went off on that tangent. It was so sudden and so unexpected. I knew I wanted to do an episode for Beltane, but I didn't really know what I wanted to talk about specifically until this actual moment. And this was totally, like I said, spur of the moment. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you have the most incredible Beltane. I know that we're in quarantine, so that's kind of inconvenient, I guess, to say the least. But Honestly, I feel like there's a lot of really fun ways to celebrate Beltane that don't require you to be around people at all. A couple just off the top of my head, you can dance. That shit is so fun. And it's all about getting in touch with your body, feeling pleasure, not taking yourself too seriously. You can have sex if you are quarantined with someone who is consenting. Or you could also just play around with your own sexuality without a partner because, you know, obviously that shit is not necessary. And let me think. Um, oh, 
fire. Fire is good. Burn lots of candles. If you do have a fire pit in your backyard, then have a bonfire if you want to. Even if it's just you're just by yourself, go out there with a cup of tea and read a really good book with a flashlight at night because that shit's awesome. Um, but if you don't, you could just burn a lot of candles. That's what I'm going to do because I don't have a bonfire area or lawn even. I live in an apartment building, so that's not going to work for me. But just make sure you're being safe. Obviously, you want to keep an eye on any flames that you may light. Um, before I go, I just want to say that I really would like to hear from you. I'm going to leave a link to my email at the in the description of this episode. And I really want your specific questions because I really want to do Q&A episodes where I directly answer specific questions. You'll remain anonymous. And I'm literally taking questions on anything from crystals to Reiki to energy healing to tarot to astrology to practical magic to ritual to spell work to manifesting to maintaining relationships as a magical person, to self-care as a magical person, to um, maintaining a home as a magical person, like life and career, like anything through the lens of being a magical person. I just want your questions. I don't really care what they are. And if it's really not a question that I can answer, if it's not really within my realm of expertise, I can probably just send you back a private email telling you where you can go to get the answer to your question. Because I know a lot of people... Um, and I know of a lot of really powerful teachers. So if I can't help you, I can probably hook you up with someone that can. So just send me your questions. Like I said, you'll remain anonymous if you want to be left that way. Um, but I also just want your feedback. I want to know what you like. I want to know what you don't like. I want to know what you want more of. And I know there's only been a couple episodes, but if you do have any general things that you'd like me to talk about within my areas of expertise, just shoot me an email. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. So thank you so much and enjoy your Beltane. Have a great week. I will talk to you very soon.